Hey everyone, it's Mr. Warren Hayes here, and we are going to be talking about AEW Dynamite today because today is the launch of my brand new AEW Dynamite review show. I'm doing this, I'm recording this specifically to talk about AEW, and that's what we're doing here. And you're listening to this either on a couple of places. You can, you're either listening to this on, on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes, plus you're getting video on top of that, or you're listening to this on your favorite podcast feed as well. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, so on and so forth. Thank you very much for tuning in. I'm going to be doing this moving forward. I talked about it last week on the uh, on the main podcast. Anyone who listens to the Mr. Warren Hayes show proper knows that every week I do a deep dive into Dynamite, right? I do a, I do a specific segment of the show where I where I take apart the previous Dynamite because look, I make no bones about it. I'm not hiding behind anything. Dynamite is my favorite weekly wrestling television show on 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 cable tv on national television i make no secrets about that so i like to talk about it but it does take up a lot of the show and sometimes i end up with topics that i'm like man i wish i hadn't spent 20 minutes talking about this you know this one john moxley match <laughs> and i could have spoken about something a little more right because i do watch other wrestling i watch a lot of wrestling sometimes i want to you know Sometimes it suffers because of, of my, my dynamite dives. So I figure, hey, you know what? We're at least going to toss this out there. We're going to give it a try. More content. More stuff for you. More Warren Hayes in your week. I don't know who has a problem with that. I don't know who, who you know, specifically would be like, look, I would like less Warren Hayes. I don't know who wants that. And if you, you know, if you want less Warren Hayes, I don't, you know. I don't want to necessarily hear about it <laughs> or, or you could just turn the video off or you could just turn the the, the 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 podcast off and that'd be fine too whichever way you want to go about doing it but this is what we're going to be doing moving forward so thank you for being here we're going to try this out on this very first occasion here uh and uh and boy did i did i pick a week to start this right this you know of course this, this we're following title tuesday or title tuesday uh that uh, that happened on October 18 uh 2022 uh as this first uh, as this first uh, uh, edition and boy what an eventful one it was lots of stuff to talk about um of course moving forward these dynamite reviews are going to be released on Thursdays and not Wednesdays right cuz then the show will be back on Wednesday this one was broadcast on a Tuesday night uh preempted because of sports not preempted. It's preempted the way I think preempted is the word. So we headed up on a Tuesday now. So that's why we're here on a Wednesday kicking this off. And as I said, I mean, I couldn't have I couldn't I couldn't have planned it better, I don't think, to have a to have this dynamite being the first one that I recap. Because boy, oh boy. Title Tuesday is what we got. I mean, it was stacked. We know why it was stacked. Because, uh, uh, because first and foremost, AEW was out of its usual time slot. So, of course, they're going to stack the show with big matches so that people will tune in on Tuesday nights as it stands. As I'm recording this right now, I, have, I don't know what the ratings are. I don't know how. It, uh, and besides, this is, never, this is never going to be a point of this show here. If you're, if you're looking for ratings analyses, uh, there are much better places that you could get it than, than from me. Um, 
we're, you know, we're specifically here to talk about the Dynamite. So I don't know how it performed. But man, what a stack show. And then on top of that, they knew they were going up against NXT, which is usually on its Tuesday night. And then conversively, NXT decided to stack up their show by bringing in people from the main roster to NXT. Kevin Owens, Rhea Ripley, the Good Brothers, Shinsuke Nakamura showed up as a surprise. So, you know, here's the thing. It's like, and you, and you can you can sit around and 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 you know talk as much you know bullshit as you want, but this is exactly why competition in pro wrestling is good, because if you were a WWE fan, you got this stacked show of awesome stuff that appealed to you. If you're an AEW fan, you got this incredible stacked show of stuff that appealed to you. The promotions were catering to you, the fans, because they were like, we want to get you excited. We want to bring you in. We don't want you to go see the competition. We want you to stay with us. And if you're out there arguing that, oh, well, uh, if you're out there arguing that, you know, oh, well, they were scared. Oh, well, of course they're going to. No, look, look, there's nothing you as a fan, there, there, there's no business aspect that you as a fan should be concerned about outside of are they putting on the best possible show for me and they did and that's exciting and that's what you should be excited about stacked shows Gee, they should be doing this every week of course yeah as i said you know this was an exceptional this was this this was an exception or it was exceptional because they were going to head to head and we don't have the head to head NXT Dynamite shows anymore which kind of stinks but you know what they needed to stack this because of the day change and you know what 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 we got with this AEW you know it turns out it it really was a battle for the belts you know all the matches we got all the matches we got were title matches. And we got a battle of the belts like not that long ago. But this, to me, was more exciting than any battle of the belts we got so far. Like, if anything, this is what this should teach, I think, Tony Khan moving forward. And I understand you're dealing with a two-hour show as opposed to a one-hour show. Okay, sure. Cool, 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 cool. But look at how people were excited for this Dynamite. Look at how excited they were, as opposed to any edition of Battle of the Belts. Which, again, you know, I would still argue that Battle of the Belts 3 was the superior one. It's still the best one that we got so far out of the four. But there hasn't been a single Battle of, of the Belts that got me as hyped and pins and needles like as this one did. I, you know, there, there's, there is a difference between having your world champion being in a match defending his title as opposed to your you know just ha you know, having your you know, ring of honor tv title being defended in the main event you know what i mean like it's not the same it's not the same it's really not the same and the stakes are not the same and the stories are not the same i honestly don't know what Tony, what what true value there is to Battle of the Belts as a you know as a supercard thing, but I don't want this to turn into a 
a breakdown of, you know, what I think Tony Khan should do about Battle of the Belts because, you know, I've, you know, I, I've, I've given my thoughts more than often enough. But I can't help but draw a comparison here where we have literally every match being about titles and every match on this card making this whole card feel important as opposed to the Battle of the Belts themselves, which are super cards, which should be special, which should be drawing in more people. But anyway, look, Eventful Dynamite, we should start talking about it. And one of the outstanding... Uh, um, uh, um, events details that has come through is that yet very subtle little things appearing on our TV screens. We're hearing, you know, the we're we hear the name uh, of the elite being dropped by Tony Schiavone on commentary. We see CM Punk and and the Young Bucks uh, back on, on, on in video packages CM Punk for the Ring of Honor Championship little package that they got uh the Bucks for uh, a Rampage commercial so people are starting to go like oh okay this is very interesting uh are things finally starting to to thaw maybe a little bit uh you know it's it's all very curious at this point um and uh and I'm looking at all of this and uh and you know and I myself I'm like look this could be nothing, but this could be a thawing as well of whatever's happening backstage, which we don't know. And I know a lot of people are aggravated. I'll probably talk about this more on the podcast um, tomorrow evening um, uh, on Thursday. But, you know, when you... Uh, AEW, as opposed to a company like like WWE, is not, you know, is not a publicly traded company. So there's no real reason to uh there's no reason to really uh uh for 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 them to to disclose any important uh changes like that they they they're not obligated to do it but i also think there's there's a certain moment where in your pr you do have to address it there there do, there does come a moment where you you know, the elephant is in the room. The fans want to know. The fans that have been loyal to you, that have been there for for a while and want to know how things are going, I think, you know, at the very least, you need to be able to address them, right? That's a whole other story. But maybe there is some resolution coming about. Maybe we are seeing some, just some some initial, uh, and like I said, an initial thawing, right? And then, of course, this morning, I'm recording this on Wednesday, by the way, when uh, Wednesday over lunch. And... Um, and earlier this morning, it was revealed that Ace Steel was fired, uh, released, I should, this is the term I should use, by AEW. That's the one that Dave Meltzer talked about on Wrestling Observer Radio. Uh, he said, quote, so he was officially released yesterday, so I guess that is the first bit of news out of that whole situation in weeks. There's a lot of other stuff going on. Um, so, again, like this is something that I'm going to be talking about more on probably on the podcast but I mean there is I, I, I mean here we're going from Tony Khan who just, not Tony Khan excuse me David Meltzer just a couple of days ago was bemoaning the fact that uh that there was no news coming out from AEW that nothing like oh, everyone was in the dark uh the people involved apparently were in the dark that there was uh no word 
on what the suspension, when the suspensions were going to end, like just a complete stone wall of information. And now he said he gets this bit of information that a steel has been released. So he says, uh, and and there's a lot of other stuff going on now. What I mean, this is the this is like you know vintage Dave as far as you know dropping a sentence, dropping a sentences. Uh, I don't you know I don't want to you know overanalyze it, but does this imply that now Dave is? aware of more information does is he aware of more things happening backstage now i think this is what this means i think he's been uh briefed maybe his little outburst last week had some of his um his top tier aw sources going look okay day this is what's going on but you can't you can't you can't you can't talk about it just yet uh because of this and this and this reason just know that stuff is happening stop telling people that that nothing is moving because things are moving. We're just not telling you about it kind of thing. I think that's probably what's happening. I think the fact that a steel being gone from the company is a significant, uh, is a significant gesture. Um, I'm still of the belief that the elite are going to be back. Uh, and you know, I have no, there's, I have no reason to believe that this will be the truth, that this will be a real thing. Um, but uh, I I have to believe that CM Punk is going to still be a part of AEW. I, I you know it, there comes a moment I think that all these all these people here they have to they have to just like shove their things aside, put their differences aside, and you know roll up their sleeves and be like, let's go out there and make money. We're making significant amount of money. We're making a good significant chunk of money let's keep doing that instead of fucking fighting each other backstage which is nonsense right and maybe you know and again this is tinfoil hat speculation here i mean i am not saying that this is the thing but maybe the you know a steel being uh, removed from the company is uh, is is something that needed to be done to sort of gain some peace, a, a, a bit of a, a, a bit of give and take here. I, you know, could could it be something like, you know, oh well, CM Punk wants to stay on board. Uh, that's one side of the one side of the of the situation saying, well, CM Punk wants to stay on board, and the other side says. Well, CM Punk can't stay on board if a steel, you know, he has to give us something. If a steel is still here, we'll accept CM Punk, but we got to fire his boy kind of thing. I mean, it sucks, but it's not the first, it wouldn't be the first type of situation where that happened. And again, I'm just speculating, but I, what I'm saying, because what I'm saying is that this would make sense. Would this have been like a condition for talks to move forward? It's like we need some kind of contrition here. Let's say the elite guys are saying we need some kind of contrition from the elite side, from CM Punk's side. If CM Punk isn't going to go, something has to go. And CM Punk is like, well, the CM Punk side is like, well, you, here is a steal. Do what you do what you may. And again, can't hammer this enough home. 
I'm speculating. Saying it, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. But I think this is interesting that we get this as the first bit of information. And I think that this means that there is ground that there is a uh, 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 ground being gained in this situation. That's what I think this means. I think we might be getting a resolution to all of this sooner than we believe, which honestly would be a good thing. Anyway, let's go and actually talk about the show. AW World Trio's title match kicked off the show where Death Triangle defeated the best friends. Um, of course, the, 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 the long tradition of AEW starting off with a hot match. And why would you not do this? Orange Cassidy bringing back his, 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 his backpack to carry his title because carrying a title is so much work. This is not unseen. I like it. It's part of the it's part of the Cassidy character. I like it. But yeah, this was a fast pace, a good match. Unfortunately, we got a we got a Tower of Doom, which is always uh, you know, a half a star deduction from me. I'm exaggerating. I don't know star ratings. Orange Cassidy reverses a suplex into a stun dog millionaire. Trent lands a tornado DDT. Death Triangle hit a great combination. Cazadora, Long Blower, Stomp, and German Suplex. We get Soul Food, half and half combo by the best friends. A stuffed pile driver and a pile driver by Chucky and Trent. They did that in sequence. Stereo, they each had their own dude. Pac goes for the hammer, but Ray Phoenix tells him he doesn't need to use it. So he, he swats it away. Orange Cassidy gets a, glow, a close pinfall after all these shenanigans. Uh, then later we get a strong zero. Phoenix breaks it up. Phoenix drives Trent into the mat for the win here. I like this match. It was fast-paced, good, good, strong, solid, interesting opener to kick this one off. So apparently the discussion here that's coming off of this that, that I've seen is like, oh, does this spell trouble for, um, for the, um, for the, uh, the death triangle guys because of, uh, Phoenix confronting Pac and Pac is apparently giving him a dirty look after the match, but I saw them also like shake hands and hug, you know, because of all the hammer stuff. I'm like, interesting. And it's funny how I don't necessarily see it that way. If anything, I see this maybe as Pac getting a wake-up call and being like, yeah, you know what? I really don't need to do this kind of thing. I don't need the shortcut. I don't need to, to do this moving forward. I mean, I don't necessarily see this. It, it's funny how... it's Look, it's funny how in wrestling... How when team members sort of get some level of of um, uh, of dissent amongst them, like immediately we're like, okay, uh, he'll turn upcoming. Whereas you know, normal everyday human beings can have arguments, can disagree on stuff, and nonetheless move forward 
and 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 be uh, and and still be colleagues, collaborators, friends. It doesn't necessarily spark the end of a relationship. Phoenix did not like drop him on his head. Did not like outright attack him. It was like, brother, what are you doing? We don't need this. Of course, I understand it's pro wrestling. I understand it. Don't don't get me wrong. <laughs> I know this is how conflict is resolved. By you know, it's it's the tried and truest story: friends turning on friends. That's fine. Of course, we you know. But for for the time being, I don't know. I didn't see it as that big a deal. And if anything, at the very least. It is a seed that has been sown for later, at the very least. Following this match, we get a great video package for the main event. And let's be honest, it was fantastic, All everything they've done here. Then we get an interview backstage with Britt Baker and her crew, which then leads us into the AEW Interim Women's World Title match where Tony Storm successfully retained her title against Hikaru Shida. Fun little match that they had here. Starts off with a with a code of honor on top of that. Butterfly suplex by Tony Storm. Sheeta hits a flying knee and a missile drop kick. Goes in for some strikes and it ends a Guri. Everyone, everyone just collapses. Everyone is done. <laughs> Everyone's exhausted. Um we we then have uh uh we then have a Meteora by Hikaru Shida. A gut wrench, a gut wrench. Flapjack, I guess, is what you'd call it from uh, from uh, from Sheeta as well, because she, you know, gut wrenched her, put her over her shoulder, then flapjacked her. I guess hip attack, German suplex, and a Storm Zero for the win by Tony Storm. Yeah, fun little match. After the match, though, we had ourselves an angle. Oh wait, should we point out? No, before we move after to the after the match thing. We should point out, and I think this is important and critical to underscore here, women in quarter hour two of Dynamite. I, I And, you know, I, again, you know, I'm not the ratings guy. I'm not the, I should not be the guy you turn to for profound rating analyses week in and week out. But, you know, if it performs well here, and I hope it does. If the quarter hour performs well, then we obviously have to see this as a trend, right? After the match, Jamie Hayter and Rebel attack Tony Storm. Then Britt Baker comes out to her music and she sort of saunters down to the ring. She wants to get in on it, but before she can, Soraya arrives and she tackles Britt, takes her down, starts wailing on her. But the big surprise is still yet to come. Riho is back. Her music hits. She comes out, gets a good reaction from the crowd on top of that, takes Rebel out, does a, dri a diving crossbody. The, the Slayer of NXT has returned and she comes back on the night where AEW returns head-to-head -head with NXT just to 
twist the knife in the corpse of of Paul's NXT once again. <laughs> and honestly, look, if if the quarter hour performs well, the you know the the needle mover Riho meme continues to have life. And this is ultimately all I want. I want this meme to continue living. Because I think it's great. Um, Rio's been away from AEW since late May. Uh, she's been in Japan. Uh, she competed in some matches, including the uh, the match that AEW held at the Tokyo Game Show for the uh, for their presence there. Uh, her last AEW match was in the trios uh, show uh, match for uh, late May AEW Dark Elevation taping. And uh, her that followed her elimination nearly two weeks earlier in the first Owen Hart Foundation's women's tournament. In the first round, I should say. And the... Um, and yeah, and let's not forget that on top of that, like in January, she had uh, uh, fought Britt Baker uh, at the inaugural Battle of the Belt. She hurt herself collarbone, I think. Uh, she broke her collarbone in that match so she was already out for a couple of months we're glad to see her back it's gonna get it's gonna get all the proper people excited and you know all the people who, will get, who get mad will continue to get mad I think Riho is arriving at a very critical moment for the women's division on top of that um, as you know again as I've been mentioning on my other Dynamite reviews on, on the main podcast, which are not going to be here moving forward. Um, you know, I think that the, uh, I think the AEW women's division right now is looking very good because of how they're being booked. I think they're being booked in a way that is different, that, that prays to a lot of the plays, not praise, plays to a lot of the strengths of the women, which is just let them fucking wrestle. Don't force, don't, don't force us into, uh, into promos when most of them when most of them can't handle being in uh, the same company as some of the best promos promos uh, out there. Uh, Brit can cut a fantastic promo, and that's pretty much it. But everyone else in this division who has gotten themselves over got themselves over because of their work. Right now, we see Jamie Hader and Willow Nightingale getting that rub. Well, Riho got herself over by her work, not her promo skills. Uh, you can argue the same thing with Hikaru Shida. So, so, you know, I think, you know, over the past few weeks, we've had multi-women matches, quite a few of them, and this was the first singles match we got in a while, so it felt good, felt interesting. Seeing these women on TV makes you care more. And it is a different approach to the booking of the women's division than anything AEW had been doing to this point. You know, I compared quite a bit with what New Japan does. Makes a lot of sense to me. I think it works because because there are, the women who are getting themselves over are getting themselves over because of their work, because of the in-ring. Not that Willow Nightingale can't handle a promo, but comparatively speaking, she's gotten herself over with less promo time. So why is that? Well, it's because of her work. It's because of what she's doing in the ring. And that's ultimately what what happened. So with Rio coming back in this circumstance, I think it only helps benefit the women's division. It will benefit 
uh, everyone there. It will create the potential for more matches, more uh, uh, more instances of mixing it up. You know, we still haven't hit the the two women's matches per card thing. But whatever, I think whatever decisions were made to try and book the women differently at this point is working. I think it's a good, I think it's a good moment here. We get a video package um, about the Kingdom's debut on Rampage. And then uh, War Joe cutting a promo on them. Uh, and Samoa Joe ending the promo saying something. I, I, I'm slightly paraphrasing because I can't quite remember the exact quote. But there are six million ways to die and you still pick the wrong one. And the way, and you know, Samoa Joe delivering that line with all the... Um, the fierce, cool intensity that he has uh, is just uh, just gives you shivers, frightens the hell out of you. It was good. Get another interview with Renee Paquette backstage. She's talking with FTR. Dax Hardwood talks about uh, the tag titles and all the titles that they've accumulated and how all of these titles paint. A lot of targets on their back, but they want the AEW tag titles nonetheless. They have to win them or Cash Wheeler won't be able to live with himself, is what he tells us. Swerve and our glory arrive. They're clearly coming straight from catering. They have snacks. Swerve uh, sort of uh, uh, takes FTR to task because they, they, they're prioritizing other companies. After months of being, you know, contenders here in the company. And Keith Lee, you know, he gets a little pissed at, at Swerve. And he's like, hang on a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know, for once, he agrees. Maybe in not so many terms kind of thing. But they deserve, uh, but Swerve in, their, in our glory deserve a shot to regain their titles. So FDR challenged them to a number one contenders match next week. Keith Lee acquiesces. He says, indubitably. And we're good to go for next week. So that'll be fun. And we get another segment backstage. Jay Lethal and Darby Allen are looking for a rematch. They get physical, even though they're not supposed to. I, I didn't quite understand that. They, they, they're, not, they're not supposed to touch each other, but they start wailing on each other. Or I think it's because Sanjay starts wailing on him. I think that's it. Darby gets crushed under a garage door and Jay Lethal puts him in a figure four. And I, and Whatever. William Regal is in the ring. Look, <clears throat> we're just gonna. This is this is what we have to talk about here. This is what we, this uh, this is exactly what we have to talk about here. This is the 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 crux of the of 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 greatness that occurred in this show. This promo that was cut by MJF on one hand, and then William Regal on the other, is masterful. Promo, what promo of the year? One of the greatest promos I've heard. One of the greatest segments in AEW history. This is going to go down in memory. This was excellent. And this is look. You know, I 
This is why I have trouble with another company's way of approaching promos, which are very scripted, put together, you know, are executed in a very process-like way. This was a wrestling promo. This was exactly how it was supposed to be delivered. Now, not everyone can pull this off. And I'm not definitely not going to say sit here and 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 try to tell you that every wrestling prom- promotion should be going down this path moving forward because we know not everyone can pull this off. This worked because of MJF, because of who he is because of what he is capable of doing on a microphone, because of the emotion he is able to elicit from the audience. Because I was slack-jawed listening to this. Completely floored. I saw on Twitter people reporting, people talking about the audience live in Cincinnati. They were just, they completely shut down. They were mesmerized by what's happening. Hypnotized, I think, was the word I saw. Every, they were hanging on every word. And what a compelling goddamn story this was. And if you don't understand at this point, what the villain MJF is after all of the promos that he's been cutting in AEW since its inception. If you don't understand what his path has been to be the asshole that he is today, I don't know what to tell you. Just brilliant stuff. He tells a story, here are the cliff notes, right? He tells a story about him getting into WWE. He says he was 19 and he was, his trainers, Pat Buck, Brian Myers said, look, we got you some extra work for WWE. Your hard work is paying off, kid. So he says to himself, he packs his best gear and his best suit and he hits the brakes. He drives off to, to, to do it. And while he's there with the other extras, William Regal tells them that they're going to have pre-show tryout matches. And who's watching the matches? Well, William Regal, Arn Anderson, Dean Malenko, Adam Pierce. Oh, he's saying Adam Pierce's name on AEW TV. The lore of AEW is pro wrestling. I actually appreciate this. Stop pretending. That wrestling exists in silos. Jesus Christ. The first, so he, he MJF continues saying the first match happened and Dean Malenko like rang the bell immediately as soon as they locked up and he told him to hit the bricks. MJF's match was next and he was nervous. Says, when the match was over, he was soaking wet, victorious and the coaches were staring at him like he had eight heads. Regal then said follow me they went into a room and he said look you've got three minutes to sell sell yourself to me and of course mjf like cut a promo whatever we didn't get into the details 
He said, boy, did he ever get himself over. Williams' jaw was on the floor. And MJF says, he says that William Regal told him, he said, kid, I'm going to get you a job today. And then MJF realized, as he said, he'd never be looked at as the five foot nothing ADD riddled Jew boy. He was going to be a superstar. Then Regal asked him how old he was. And Jeff says he's 19. Says, ah, you're too young. But when you come of age, I will put my name on you. But until then, I want you to work your ass off. And I want you to send me a match and a promo every month. So MJF does that. Regal replies for the first two months. And then on the third month, he sends Max an email. Where Regal tells him to stop sending videos of his acting skills because unfortunately the game has changed and WWE only hires top class athletes. He accuses Regal of squandering his dream. MJF gets emotional talking about how he wanted to quit wrestling and quit his life. He wanted to kill himself. That email wanted him to kill him, pushed him almost to the brink. But he didn't want Regal to win. And now MJF says, now the tables have turned. It's 2022 and you, William Regal, are a sad, withered old man who got fired. And I am 26 years old, a generational talent who his former employers would, his being William Regal's former employers, would be willing to kill for. What did he say? Would sacrifice human bodies or something like that. In the bidding war of 2024. I love that this is going to be a thing, by the way. William Regal responds, saying that he had to fight grown men at the age of 16 to break into this business. And he wanted to light up. And he sent the email to light a fire under MJS's ass. And he says, if we live in a world, we live in a world where adult men can't, uh, can't be beaten up teenagers anymore. We can't do that. But if a bloody male is all that it took you to get here and you had it easy, MJF. He tells MJF that he uh, he hasn't proven anything. Just because he's getting paid a lot of money doesn't mean a thing. He basically tells him, look, you want to be a devil? Do it right. Beat everyone that stands in front of you. Take whatever liberties you want. But if you want to be the devil, you have to do it yourself. Stop taking shortcuts. Regal turns his back. He's like basically offering him up a shot. MJF puts on the, the dynamite diamond ring and goes to swat him, but he can't. Then he leaves. And William Regal tells him, you still have a lot to prove kind of thing. Just like, I'm, look. This is, this is what you're going to be hearing. This is what we should be talking about more than an unfortunate incident. Of course, we're going to talk about what happened. But this is the selling point of this show. This is what made this show so incredibly good. It was this moment right here. This, this fantastic bit of storytelling. Wait a second. Wait a second. I've been told AEW doesn't do stories. And yet here we are. And we've been telling the MJF story for the better part of three years at this point. 
And you'll notice, because this will not be the first time that MJF and, and John Moxley will fight. MJF had his whole had a whole program. <coughs> Excuse me, had a whole program with John Moxley. What was it, two years ago at this point? 18 months? And he did the sports entertainment thing, right? He did the he did the uh, the presidential election thing, which you know I'm on record as not caring much about it. And look how much more invested we are into this because we're focused on wrestlers, because we're focused on wrestling, we're focused on guys. In this particular situation, wanting to be the best. Booking for wrestling is not hard. I know a lot of people like White Rabbits and Spooky Magic. But get me invested in a fight like this, and, and no problem. And again, I understand that not everybody is going to be able to pull off what MJF did here. And here's the other part that's crucial to this, to this promo. And I want to, this is crucial here. How much MJF had the audience in the palm of his hand. And they were supporting him, backing him. Because of course he was talking about mean old WWE. That's an easy get on one end. But also, but I think he got the audience above that. He got the audience invested into what he's doing. Into what he was saying. Because of how personal it felt. Because he was wearing his heart on his sleeve. People were behind him and were booing Regal. Now what did Regal do? Regal flipped the script. It was like, okay. Here are my points. And then what happened? The people, people were listening to Regal and were, and were popping. We're like, okay, all right. So what was built here, this was masterful. A, a promo that was done with such mastery where the audience is just hanging on every word here and everything makes sense and everything works and you don't hate MJF or William Regal any more or less at this point you're like you're in a you're in you're living in MJF's moral quandary if 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 we want to go down that path where he's he's like I'm the best I'm the best I'm the best and you have William Regal saying you keep saying you're the best because you get you get paid a lot of money, but you still have a lot to prove, kid. And and be like, all right. And Regal bringing up his own experience on how it happened to him versus how it happened to MJF. People can be sympathetic to that as well. This was not this is this was not a promo for uh, this was a promo for adults. This was a promo made for. People with with uh, who 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 expect a little more, and who want more out of their out of the wrestling content than catchphrases and 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 and, and, and sports team heat, which I don't have a problem with. Don't get me wrong, but, but sometimes you do want more than that. You want to be able to dig your to dig to 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 sink your teeth into it more this is what that was just fantastic
legendary promo. We get the acclaim then next who are interviewed backstage. They talk about the trademark stuff and uh, this is all going to be settled on a match on Rampage. Titles versus trademarks as they face the um, Nice and Josh Woods. Renee Paquette then has a sit-down interview with uh, Wheeler Yuta and Brian Danielson. Danielson says he had high hopes for Daniel Garcia uh, because he could be the next great technical wrestler. And, uh, and and Yuta at some point is sort of like, Danielson, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> what You know, you, you were expecting Garcia to come hang out with you, but he has Dragon Slayer in, you know, on his Titan Tron, his, excuse me, on his Tony Tron is what we call it in AEW, right? We could see this coming a mile away is what Wheeler said. And, uh, and basically Daniels, he was just using Danielson to get what Chris Jericho wanted. And, uh, and Wheeler Yuta said, I bled for the Blackpool Combat Club and this has to mean something. It, has, it means something to Mox. It means something to Claudio. And he said, I shouldn't have met my hero <clears throat> because clearly it doesn't mean anything to you. And he walks off. Now, I like the, I like Wheeler Yuta you know, go, you know, being like, you know, he's the hopeful upstart. He has all, you know, all this vision of how the 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 BCC should be working. And, you know, it's not quite turning out as he had dreamed it was. And Danielson sort of sits there and he's taking it all in. But I don't know if you guys and gals, non-binary pals have noticed, but for the longest while, Brian Danielson has been coming out of the heel tunnel. Like, he's never really been like a clear, a clear path baby face, right? Mox comes in from the audience because he's a, you know, he's a man of the people. That's, that's the gimmick, right? When, when Yuda and Regal and Claudio come out, they all come out of the baby face tunnel. But Danielson systematically, and this is not new. You can go back and watch a lot of tape on this or recordings, videos, tape. You can go back and watch a lot of this. Uh, Danielson is always, look, and he's never necessarily come in and been like, he hasn't been Mr. Yes Man, smiling, cheerful underdog baby face. He's like, no, I'm coming here to hurt people. I want to kick their fucking heads in, right? That's what he's saying. He's all business. And maybe this BCC stuff is uh, just a means to an end. Right? Because let's not forget, you know, you know, as much as Eddie Kingston, you know, liked to hang out with uh, with uh, John Moxley and, and Claudio during the whole anarchy in the um, anarchy in the arena thing, he never liked Brian Danielson didn't trust him. He didn't trust him. And these are all snippets. They're all elements. These are things that we should all be paying attention to. I have. And now that we're leading to this, where Yuta sort of like, me, 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 me. Maybe Daniel's going to be like, look, you ungrateful little bastards. I'm, you know, you don't want to work with me? Fine, I'll work alone. I came in here wanting to help the younger generation. I could absolutely see Brian Danielson doing this. 
I, you know, I came in to work with the younger guys and form a new generation of wrestlers and leave the business in a better spot than where it has, which, which I believe is, is true. But in kayfabe, he could say the opposite. He could say, look, fuck you all. Been trying to work with you, but none of you really want to work with me. So fine. It's an interesting wrinkle, but I think it's a, it's a situation that's been there for a while. And I'm excited to see where this leads. I'm very excited to see where this leads. I think it's a it's a nice little bump here. We have the we have the 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 uh, a, 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 the ignition towards something. And I don't think it's a quite. I don't think <clears throat> Wheeler Yuda is going to turn heel. I think that would be a terrible idea to begin with. I don't think he's leaving the Blackpool Combat Club because I think it benefits him tremendously. At this early, early onset of his career, I think he benefits a lot from tagging, being surrounded by guys like John Moxley and, and Claudio Castagnoli and Brian Danielson, who are universally loved and are perceived as badasses. I think it's the same thing here. But there's, you know, there's still something interesting where Wheeler's like, hey, you know what? You were running after this young guy, all, you know, trying to get this guy in, but dad, I've been here all along, kind of thing. I, you know, there's something interesting here. Get the Ring of Honor World Title match. Chris Jericho defeated Dalton Castle. Full-blown presentation for Dalton Castle. The throne, the peacock feathers, and, and a, 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 a surprising amount of boys. Fireworks on top of that. I think, you know what? Here's the thing. And I will never, ever, ever poo-poo anyone for getting into a wrestler at whatever stage of his career. I can understand why Dalton Castle for a lot of people was a mystery because, you know, the last few years of Ring of Honor, despite what anyone wants to tell you, were difficult. Uh, they were difficult to access. Uh, sometimes were hard to watch. Um, so I can understand why people are not familiar with him on the mainstream side of things. But a lot of people are waking up to, to Dalton Castle. And I never think it's too late to get into the career of a of a guy whereas I think that his back injury does has hindered what he's capable of doing because he is a great pro wrestler uh, I think I still think he manages a lot but what he brings in terms of charisma and star power and star presence this is a man who commands a room he commands attention we've known this but it's as, it you know what it's as you can tell Tony Khan gets it as well because if Tony didn't believe that this guy had the flamboyancy and the uh and the charisma to be who he is he wouldn't have done the throne thing he wouldn't have done the fireworks so Tony again knows what he has in his hands and if Dalton becomes one of the faces of the new ring of honor of Tony Khan's new vision of ring of honor well good for him because I think he deserves it. Because he's fantastic. And Dalton Castle in this match did a few of his of his tropes. You know, he did the running around the ring thing with the with the boys. He launched some of the boys at Jake Hager as well. Like we got the full Dalton Castle. Like we got Dalton Castle 101 is what we got. And that's what the mainstream audience wanted. A lot of people weren't familiar with him. The promos that he cut. On the road two thing were 
Fantastic. And the other thing that I think that, at least in AEW for now, makes him a standout is because no one else is like him on the roster. There is no one like Dalton Castle on that roster. There is a room for him. There is a spot for him on this roster because of how how unique his presentation is and how unique what he brings to the table is. Fun little match I thought they had here. I thought it was pretty good. A couple of Northern Light suplexes by by Castle and he does the multiple gut wrenches, which I, and Taz was like, I don't know why he's doing that, but he's doing it because it's Dalton Castle and he just wants to show off Taz. Um, Castle even head scissors Chris Jericho on the floor. He goes for the Julie Newmar. Yes, he has a move called based on on the. 1960s Batman Catwoman absolutely so there's another reason to love the man Chris Jericho goes for the walls uh Castle lands a big German suplex and the bangerang but Chris Jericho kicks out and then they strike it out until Chris Jericho hits the Judas effect post-match Jericho cuts a promo with the appreciation society uh, at the top of the ramp he continues to say that he's going to desecrate the legacy of Ring of Honor. Ring of Announcer champions, Ring of Honor announcers, even Ring of Honor commentators. And he goes for Ian Riccoboni. What? What? No. Not Ian. Protect Ian. And Ian was even being cool with them on commentary. Saying, well, at least this match, Jericho hasn't cheated his way to a win. He did it clean, which he did. By the way... All clean finishes to all of these matches. Jerry Lynn runs in. Former Ring of Honor champion Jerry Lynn runs in to sort of stand up for Ian. But he eats a pile driver on the Ring of Honor World Championship. Does this mean that Jerry Lynn is going to have a match with Chris Jericho? From what I understand, Jerry Lynn is in no shape to fight, but you never know. And Nigel McGinnis recently tweeted, I was like, regardless of what you've heard, I can still wrestle. Despite, Nigel McGinnis, of course, has been released from WWE, in case you you, you weren't following. Uh, He is no longer a member of the commentary team, and he's been released. And um, he's, um, I mean, there's been a lot of speculation over his health, right? Because he's... his career has been concussion prone. That was his, that's his thing. Uh, and um, I don't know what to do here. Like, I don't I don't know what to believe is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> he could be, he could be fine or he could be just working a little bit. But, you know, if you, if you get Nigel in here, because they announced final battle on top of that, they announced the next pay-per-view. Chris Jericho versus Nigel. There's a match you never thought you'd see. We'll see what happens. But I'm going to tell you. And, and you know, Chris Jericho resigned a contract a contract extension. He's going to be there for a while. It's about three years, I think. I'm going to talk about it more on the, on the podcast. Uh, but, you know, there's a reason why Chris Jericho is being held around for this long. For this, you know, and 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 Chris and and why 
Tony Khan is locking these veteran talents down, these uh, big stars that are clearly uh, 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 draws for the company and that are not problematic and that are growing their presence backstage on top of that. You know, I think I think he's I, I think Tony's doing this, um, uh, you know, as uh, you know, sort of to add leverage to upcoming negotiations for uh, for a new TV deal. Say, look, I've got some of the biggest names in wrestling that are still drawing to this day. I have a lot of deeper thoughts, but it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense if your backstage is in disarray and you've got people stepping up to be true to form locker room leaders. Plus on top of that, a proven draws. Plus on top of that, a push and merge. I, you lock those guys down. You're locking down a 50-year-old dude for five years? Well, okay. Is that is that a strategy? Look, I mean, there's... Like I said, I'm going to talk about it more on the on the main Mr. Warren Hayshel podcast uh, because I think it's very... It's, I think it's I think there's more... There, there's a lot of information uh, or speculation at the very least that you can glean out of all of these uh, contract signings. But uh, it's a very interesting time for AEW. Uh, and uh, these signings are not happening out of nowhere, especially with what's been going on uh, with CM Punk and the Elite. Uh, I, none of these are mistakes. None of these are these press releases coming out for John Moxley and uh, uh, Chris Jericho, and in both saying that these gentlemen are expanding their roles backstage. These are not mistakes, and it makes you wonder what kind of roles will be expected out of Kenny Omega and the Bucks the four, these EVPs again we'll talk about it more another time back from commercial we have um, we have the baddies who are looking for Nyla Rose Car- Jade Cargill is there they say we can't find Nyla but she's going to be there on Rampage and uh, and she tell and Jade Cargill tells Tony Khan that um, that if he doesn't ensure that Nyla Rose is going to be there, she's going to hijack the show. And the main event AEW World Title match: John Moxley successfully retained his AEW World Title against Adam Page due to referee stoppage. I liked look. I liked this match a lot. I thought it was I thought it was on a good roll. Uh, you know, Hangman Page not waiting for Mox to hit the brick to hit the ring. Excuse me. He goes right after him during the during his entrance through the people. He does a moonsault off of a ledge, and Mox is already bleeding before the match officially starts. So you know you're like okay, let let's just go. It's a fight. I mean, and, and then Mox locks in a figure four. Adam Page does a sack of shit. There's a cutter by uh, John Moxley in a superplex and head stomps. Uh, uh, Page hits a dead eye on the apron and an avalanche sack of shit on top of that. They each trade lariats, but uh, Page doesn't stand back up after landing awkwardly on his neck and head. Ref-
Referee Paul Turner comes in, checks it out, calls for the bell. Uh, Doc Samson is in there. Um, and quickly, you realize this is not a work. Because one of the things here, here's where I was like, oh, I see what they're doing here. And you had MJF in, the, uh, in, in, in a skybox again with, the, with the, 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 the chip thing. And he's holding on to it. And they do the fight thing. And then event, during the match, they go back to the skybox and, John, and uh, MJF is no longer there. So I'm like, ah, okay. So it could be one of these cash-ins. It could be, you know, whatever. So we're there waiting. So I'm like, oh, so this is an injury. So they're protecting Hangman. And they're going to have MJF run in, cash in, and, and fight Mox for the title and probably even win. I, I'm like, oh, okay, this is the angle. But quickly you realize it's not an angle. Quickly you realize it's not a work. When, you know, commentary falls into disarray and, the, you know, they're clearly improvising at this point. You know, the, you know Tony goes, uh, tells uh, Excalibur, uh, we're, going to, uh, uh, we're going to the match hype, go, you know. And Taz is clearly distraught and he's trying to interrupt. He, he, not that he tries, but, you know, he, had, he inadvertently interrupts Excalibur going through the matches. Like, look, I'm sorry. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Like, he's obviously upset. Everyone is upset because they're clearly doing uh, a severe injury protocol. They're telling Hangman not to move. They're getting a gurney. He, Adam Page is not, is unable to exit the ring himself and we've seen this in multiple videos posted by fans on Twitter Adam Page did not exit the 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 ring by himself he had to be stretchered away they had to remove the bottom turnbuckle for it to work it was uh extremely scary and you know as I had you know we were talking about it a bit in in in, in Mr. Warren Hayshaw discord you know, I said, this could also be very precautionary. You know, maybe he got his bell rung. Maybe he lost sensation for a second. And so then, you know, the head physician says, okay, that's good. We're, we're not taking any chances. Don't move. We're going to do the proper protocol. We heard reports that he had thumbed up. He had given a thumbs up or a wave leaving uh, the arena on the stretcher, which was indeed good news. He was clearly talking to... Uh, to the uh, uh, medical officials as well. Uh, again, thanks to fan cam video, uh, we were able to see that. Um, so, you know, it could have been a number of things. But I'm telling you, Mox hitting the microphone and saying, you know, I, uh, leading into the final bit of the angle here, saying about commentary, telling us, you know, about walking you know hopefully he'll walk again he'll be able to play with his kids again and so on and they're like what the fuck just happened because that sends you down a, a, a dark spiral of possibilities like shit can he not feel his legs is he dead like he's not dead obviously but can he not feel his legs is he paralyzed to wrap up the angle as commentary was doing the best job they could to, you know, make time. MJF comes down, gives the chip to uh, to um, William Regal and quote-unquote cashes, cashes it in. But instead of going after Mox, he takes the high road and says, hey, you know what? 
Um, I'm not going to fight here tonight because I want you, John Moxley, at 100%. I don't want to take the easy way. I want you at 100%. So when we fight at full gear, I'm, it's going to be my victory. And everyone's like, mm, and everyone's nodding and everyone's okay. And, 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 and William Regal seems to be impressed. So that's all. So this is all. So this is where we're at. So he cashed in his chip. He's like, look, I want to fight you, but not right now. Call the shot. First of all, I am glad, very glad, that they are they being AEW are not using the chip in the same way as the Money in the Bank briefcase because I I really feel like that would have been very tired and tropey of them to do. I would not have enjoyed it. So I'm, at least on that end, it's a little refreshing. Feels good to me. Good, a happy Warren is what we got here with this with this particular situation. So I'm glad that we're able to move forward from that. Um, and I also hope that they don't bring back that rule. I really don't. So, but the way it was done was like, look, I'm cashing it in now, but I'm not fighting him now kind of thing. Because he brought the referee and everything. Like he did the whole money in the bank thing. And I'm glad that was like erased. I'm glad we're moving on from that because I it, it bothered me. It really did bother me. Um, now, a lot of people are like, oh, well, here, here we go. Here's MJF's babyface turn. It started, so on and so forth. And I want us to put a pin in this right up until the finish of full gear. I really want us to, to hang on to that, to that sentiment that MJF is inevitably going to become a babyface because people love him so much and so on and so forth. Because of the story he told William Regal to get us to sympathize with him, you know. All very clear, all very babyface-ish behavior. But I'm not convinced. Because he did the same thing in his feud with CM Punk. And I think MJF is too much of a natural heel to be a full-on babyface. And I'm not convinced that he's not going to take a shortcut in his match with Mox to get the job done. Because let's not forget, here's the thing is that William Regal wanted him, was like, take a shot. You have to take the shot when you got it. And MJF held off. I think he's doing mind games. I think he's you know, he's doing mind games, getting everyone to drop their guard. But he is going to pull something out of his out of his bag of tricks. I'm convinced. I'm convinced about this. So this babyface turn thing, I think we might get we might get it teased as we keep moving forward. But I think the end result might tell us something different. I'm, I am not behind MJF being a top-tier babyface at this point. We've, I feel we've been down this road before. I feel like this is something MJF would absolutely do to throw us off the scent. It's not clear yet. We're not out of the woods yet. As for Hangman, well, uh, as I'm recording this, uh, Dave Meltzer gave some 
some news earlier this morning on Wrestling Observer Radio. Um, the uh, there was a uh, well, first of all, there was a statement released on social media Tuesday evening saying that Hangman Adam Page had suffered a concussion during his match uh, against John Moxley. This the um, the statement goes as follows. Hangman Adam Page was taken tonight by medical personnel to a Cincinnati trauma center and diagnosed with a concussion. He was discharged, but will continue, but will remain, excuse me, in AEW's concussion protocol. AEW and Hangman Page are grateful for the exemplary response and care of staff and local medical personnel and are appreciative of the love and support of fans everywhere. Um... And uh, Page did indeed, uh, Dave Meltzer did indeed report this morning that he had been, uh, that he had been uh, taken, uh, taken away, uh, that he did suffer a concussion uh, and said he was fine. Uh, I wouldn't say having a, having brain trauma is you being fine. Um, I think he is otherwise fine, which is, you know, the best, I think this is a best case scenario type of situation where it's like okay well he still has motor functions he's not paralyzed his neck's not broken like there's a there are much much worse injuries that could have occurred that uh, to a degree we were maybe even expecting uh but he is concussed that fucking sucks uh because you know concussions can have multiple uh will have long-term uh, implications for his life, his career moving forward. Um, it may be a best case scenario type of thing regarding the injury, but I wouldn't come around saying, ah, Adam Page is fine. He's not fine. He's concussed. But we do have to uh, signal, um, you know, for... We do have to uh, underscore here the uh, the response. I think was very good from um, from AEW's medical team here. You know, whatever level of severity they thought they had in the ring, I think the right call was done. Of course, it fucking sucks that a match had to end this way for everyone, and like everyone is on the same level. I'm convinced, but you you cannot but agree especially if the diagnosis was a was a concussion you cannot but agree at the idea of shutting the match down and moving forward uh sending him to uh to a hospital to get checked out so whatever needs to be done to get Adam Page back on his back on his feet and back in the way whatever it is i hope they take the time to do it For god's sakes do not rush the man back. Don't rush the man back in any way, shape, or form. He has got to, he has absolutely have to, um, he absolutely has to take the time to get back, uh, to, to follow the protocol properly, whatever it is. I think it's very, very, uh, I think it's crucial at this point that they make sure that Paige is really back on his feet before sending him back out. 
for the time being, I think they're doing the uh, I, I think they're doing the best uh, stuff possible. Even Chris Nowinski, of course, former wrestler and uh, CTE expert nowadays, uh, applauded the response of uh, referee Paul Turner and Doc Sampson in this uh, in, in this uh, situation. So we can only hope for the best. I'm 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 glad it's nothing worse, but it stinks. It's a bad injury, and it's weird, right? Because that's just like I saw the reactions all around us. Oh, it's just a concussion. Oh, it's just a concussion. And you, you you'd think that wrestling is so weird. Wrestling is weird like that, and wrestling fans are weird like that. Not all of them, but some of them are. Where it's like, oh well, it's just that. It's a concussion. It's an injury. It's brain trauma. You got brain trauma. It's not just a, but this is the kind of thing that still, you know, it's clear. It still permeates the culture of pro wrestling where people just, just go, whoo, thankfully it ain't a broken neck. Like I said it myself, right? But I'm not, I'm, I hope I'm, I'm not undermining the, the significance of his injury. Because of course a broken neck is fucking worse, especially if it leaves him without motor function and so on and so forth. But We know so much about CTE now, these days, that no one should be just like, whew, all right, well, let's move on with our day kind of thing. It's like, no, Adam Page has brain trauma. He's going to carry this for the rest of his, uh, for the rest of his, his living days on earth. And it stinks. It's not something you want to carry. And And the thing is, is that it's not as, it doesn't hamper a wrestler in ring as much as a broken back or you know a, a torn ACL. Like it's not something as uh, that absolutely you're like we have to keep them out of the ring and you know they can't because op- you can still perform and operate. You can still do things with a concussion, but the concussion is still there, and that's what makes it such an insidious injury. Is that it's its effects remain there and the effects can be aggravated as we go along as he continues to bump so on and so forth so you know i don't rejoice in this news you know i take comfort in knowing that he will continue to be able to have a life right and continue moving forward but a concussion is still a concussion and it fucking stinks and it's a shame that we have to wrap up the discussion on uh, an excellent episode of AEW Dynamite with so many things happening, so many stories being laid that you, you can already feel the, the build to full gear happening. Of course, out of not just in the main event picture, but everywhere else, little details into, you know, the elite and CM Punk situation being uh, fixed. Uh, 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 things happening in the tag team division as well. There's a lot of stuff being being laid, a lot of foundations being laid out right now that I pray tell anyone who tells me there are no stories in AEW can hit the bricks. They have to stop. And again, you know, anyone who tells you they have to start building for full gear, they haven't started. They did not watch this dynamite. Anyone who tells you that has not watched this dynamite and don't understand, and at this point have not understand, don't understand how AEW booking to an, a pay per view works.
eventful. Four matches, good to great matches. There's a reason why this is still my t my favorite show. I like this episode a lot. And I hope you enjoyed this first AEW Dynamite breakdown right here. This first review. I'm going to be doing more. If you enjoyed it, give the video a like. A thumbs up here on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That's pretty cool. Five-star rating on Spotify as well. Those things are great. And I appreciate it a great deal. I appreciate you hanging out to the very end here. Be back with the Mr. Warren Hayes show. But and we'll be back with another AEW recap next week. But in the meantime, hope you have a great rest of your day. I'll see you next time. Bye.